0: Last week, we began a message series titled A Living Hope. A Living Hope. And uh, we based that sermon series, I, I believe in my heart, I have one more week. And so this may go into next week. But um, we based that series off of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And it uh, says this it says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go ahead and say this together uh, at this point. Celebrate and pray with praises the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope. Turn to somebody and say, don't forget your living, energetic hope. Don't forget it. Don't forget that you got it. And how do we have a living hope? The end of 1 Peter 1, verse 3, which is where we ended last week, reveals that. It says, we are reborn to experience a living and energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a living hope because it flows from a Savior that conquered death and is still alive. So good. That's why it's a living hope. Let me say it this way. The reason why this hope, this living hope is so valuable, listen to me, is that most people's hope has an expiration date. Most people's hope is perishable. It's perishable, and here's when it's perishable. It is perishable when the thing that you are hoping for is over. But we have a living hope. The expiration date is the moment that what you are hoping for ceases to no longer be possible, but through the resurrection of Jesus, nothing is impossible, which means that we can hold on to hope when others are losing it. This is why the resurrection of Jesus matters so much. See, it's something that we sing about. It's something that we talk about. It's something that we preach about. But I want to encourage you to never lose your wonder of the resurrection. There are a lot of religions whose founders are still in a tomb. But there's only one where there isn't a tomb. There's, there's only one where there isn't a final resting place. See, that's why the resurrection is so important. Matter of fact, Paul emphasized why, why the resurrection is so important. First Corinthians chapter 15, he says, if the only benefit of our hope is limited to this life, that's what he's talking about is, is if the resurrection didn't happen, our hope is no different than the hope that the world has to offer because our faith would also have an expiration date. But he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, if the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, um, I lost my point. It goes on to say this, that we deserve to be pitied more than all others. Why would we be pitied? We would be pitied because we would be placing our hope in something that had no credibility or no security. We would be placing our hope in something that would fade away just like everyone else places their hope. But we know that's not the case with the resurrection. You had 500 people that Jesus appeared to, okay? It is a historical in fact, even people who don't believe in the resurrection recorded this amazing event. So why do we have a living hope? Because it is rooted in a living God who died but did not stay dead. Therefore, the hope that he gives is eternal in nature. Pastor Betty leaned over, me, leaned over to me in worship. Listen, you can't just read the Bible and believe in Jesus without realizing that he is present in your life moment by moment you have the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead now in you to 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 release to you that same living and energetic hope so he's in this moment and he'll be in your next moment he is a ever present what help in your time of need living energetic hope it's not a hope that is uh, that is of a substance of this world. Paul reiterated the eternal nature of this hope in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, alongside love and faith, hope will remain. In other words, after we pass from this life into the next life, hope is still going to exist. We are going to live in eternity with an amazing expectation of Jesus the Lamb. Forever, forever. It's like if we go to sleep, we'll wake up and we'll never have a Monday. Come on, somebody, somebody over here, preach. We'll never have a Monday. So last week as we began this series, we talked about what this hope is and why it's so important. This living hope is important because as life gets more difficult, this hope increases in value. We talked about that. Why does it become more valuable? It becomes more valuable because hope gives you vision. Without vision, people perish. It gives you vision, and as a result of that vision, it supplies a strength that causes you to endure whatever you're going through. We saw that in Jesus' life in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy that was set before him He endured the cross. What was the vision? The vision was the joy that he would receive on the other side of the crucifixion. And because he had a vision, he had an anticipation of what he was going to receive. And it caused him to endure. The last thing we talked about is that hope is only as strong as what is connected to. It's only as strong. We don't place our hope in a wish or a luck or happenstance or serendipity or the stars aligning or we don't hope in a horoscope or whatever the world has to offer. No, we place our hope in something certain and reliable because listen, if you place your hope in something that is questionable or unsecure, you're only setting yourself up for disappointment. All you're doing is buying yourself time before you're disappointed again but we have a living hope. Hope isn't just a want, it's a human need. We survive on hope. Listen, there have been people that have gone through crazy situations and persevered and endured and fought all because they just had a small amount of hope. Hope gets you up when it's dark. And so the author of Hebrews talks about this living hope in Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 19, I just realized as I'm speaking that I favor this side of the room more than this side of the room. So for the rest of the the morning, you guys are going to get neglected. Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. I think it's because I'm left-handed and so I just tend to to look that way. But Hebrews 6, 19, this living energetic hope we have is in all, this is so beautiful, an anchor for the soul. An anchor for the soul. A hope of both sure and reliable. Why is it reliable? Because it is one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is where I want to spend the rest of the morning. I wanna talk about this anchor for our soul, this anchor for our soul. Such a beautiful word picture. Will you just bow your heads, close your eyes, join me as we pray. Father, your word is so living and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword, judging our thoughts and our intentions of heart, dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Father, we just pray that your word would breathe life into us this morning. And fathers, we, we pray, God, I pray that as I read your word, as I share, father, that you would breathe upon it, and God, that it would infuse us with even more hope than we already have, in Jesus' name, amen. Four things about this living hope, which is an anchor for our soul. The first is this, this living energetic hope. Once again, last week, I talked about how hope is only as strong as what is connected to hope. Hope, literally in the Hebrew, not only means anticipation and expectation, but it is a cord that connects someone to something or someone else. And so this hope that we have that is an anchor for our soul, this living energetic hope is not anchored here, it is anchored in eternity, okay? I I know that sounds so simple and it's not super profound, but I wanna remind you that your hope is not here your hope is anchored in eternity. Once again, our hope is not limited to this life. Paul talked about how we would be pitied earlier if our hope was only for this life, and that's why your hope is different than the hope that the world has to offer. Once again, The hope that the world has to offer has a permanent expiration date. It's the moment that you breathe your last breath. But as we talked about last week, the the amazingness of this hope anchored in eternity is that death just becomes a door and that you are rewarded on the other side of the door with a greater reality than you got to experience in this life of his kingdom. And so that's why it's so powerful. It's anchored in eternity. When I was thinking about this point, I thought about a, a famous poem by Dylan uh, Thomas called, "Do Not Go Gentle into that Good Night." Anybody ever heard of that, that poem? Now I'm not a poet. I don't read poetry, but I had a class in, at Columbus State. It was a communications class where you actually had to like stand up and you had to, um, you actually had to recite a poem. <laughs> I didn't recite this one. But it was the first time that I had heard of this poem. I, I actually uh, don't remember what poem. I might have did like a third day song and they didn't know what it was, but it was fine because um, I was super Christian back then. Um, I have this really cool band that you guys may not know about, but there's just, there anyways. But the first stanza of this poem, listen to it. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of, close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the hope that the world has to offer. That sounds like you have someone breathing their, living their last moments and their hope is fading because their expiration date is coming. So you gotta fight, you gotta struggle, you gotta hold on because this is all there is. But we don't we don't have that reality because this is not all there is. We, we go from, a, from here to a greater reality because of this energetic hope. I love Joseph in Genesis at the end of his days leaned on his staff and worshiped God. Why? Because he knew death was a door to a greater reality. It's not, oh, I gotta fight and I gotta hold on and I gotta stand firm because this is all there is. no. There's more on the other side of the door. See, when your hope is anchored in eternity, you say things like Paul when he said to live is Christ and what? To die is gain. Do you see the difference? There's something powerful about knowing that the transaction that occurred through Jesus' death and resurrection is secure and it's certain that we don't have to doubt whether or not there's an eternal reality or not. I studied uh, multiple religions, and um, I, I believe it's uh, Hinduism. You have the Dharma and you have the karma. karma. Karma is essentially their carnal reaping and sowing. Dharma is the divine law. And, and, and what, what Hinduism teaches you is that if you, if you abide by these things, maybe you'll be reunited with the Brahmin spirit. Maybe. In, 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 in Islam, maybe if you do what is right, Allah will be happy with you. But you know what I love about Christianity? This is how I know a religion is rooted from, or derived from the human spirit. There is no certainty. There's no certainty. Because at the core of the human spirit, you don't know how to get beyond your death. So Jesus, God's son, has to show up and he has to provide the certainty because we cannot be certain in and of ourselves about how to get there. That's why it's different. That's why it's real. That's why it's alive. There's something powerful about knowing that the transaction that occurred through Jesus' death and resurrection is certain and secure. You don't have to doubt it as to whether it's real or not. These disciples, let me just allow this to sink in because I know this is something that can slip your mind when you're reading the gospel, but these disciples that were writing about the resurrection were eyewitnesses. They could go to death with certainty that it was just a door because they saw the man on the other side of the tomb they saw him bleed out of his body on that cross and their hope was gone you remember I'm uh, leading into to to uh, Jesus going into Jerusalem they when will you restore the kingdom are you going in to take over Jerusalem they thought it was a a battle of swords to come and restore the kingdom. And he dies on the cross. And what happens? Strike the shepherd and the sheep scatter. Their hope was gone for three days. And then he appears and all of a sudden hope is revived. And they get a revelation like, oh, it wasn't our hope. This kingdom is not limited to this lifetime. It goes beyond that. See, this anchor for our soul is not anchored here. It is anchored in eternity. Though we may be here, our anchor is there. Now, let me tell you, uh, uh, taking it further culturally, contextually, why uh, the, uh, the people reading Hebrews would have understood this, this anchor for the soul where that has been tethered to Jesus and he has gone as a forerunner. In the Mediterranean Middle East region, boats could not anchor themselves close to the shore. The reason why is because often the shores were super shallow. So if a a boat were to go to the shore and and set its anchor, if, if the wind were to pick up, if the storms were to pick up because of the shallowness of the shores, that If that boat were to get affected by the wind and the waves, it would get rocked and the bottom of it would get totally jacked up because of the shallowness of the shore. So what would they do? They would take their boats and they would set them out a distance from the shore. Then they would put the anchor to the boat in a smaller boat and that boat would go before them to the shore and they would anchor themselves on the shore. So when they see this scripture, where it says we have this anchor for our soul that is connected to Jesus Christ, our high priest, that has gone as a forerunner, he has gone ahead of us, he's gone before us to anchor ourselves, they totally got it. That's why this is so exciting. Paul is speaking from this reality that your anchor, because here's the reality, life, if we were to drop our anchor right here, that's what the, uh, the hope of the world is. You have to anchor yourselves wherever you are. But thank God that we serve a savior that took our anchor for us and he has already secured our hope on the other side of the door in the place that we are heading. That's what this word so, why this word picture is so beautiful. See, though we may be here, We are anchored there. This anchor for our soul is not anchored here. It is anchored in eternity. Number two, or actually, I'm going to go further, and we actually talked about this, I believe, in one of the script, in one of the the verses of the songs, or uh, I believe maybe in something that Amy said, I'm not quite sure, or or Jill said, John 14, 1-3, Do not let your heart be troubled believe God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, so I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will also be. He's setting up shop for you. Our anchor of hope is is in eternity with Jesus where we will eventually be. Number two, I don't want you to miss this point. This anchor of hope is an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor for our soul. It's not an anchor just for our spirit. It's an anchor for your soul. What's your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. You ever, you ever um, struggle mentally, or with your will, or emotionally? It's an anchor for your soul. So it doesn't just it doesn't just affect your spirit. It gives you hope in your mind. It gives you hope in your will. It gives you hope to continue to move forward in your emotions. See what this means is that this living, energetic hope doesn't just affect. Our spirits. Now this matters because how many of you know that your mind needs to be grounded? Your mind needs to be grounded. That's why scripture says take thought or take every thought captive. Yeah. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to where your anchor is. Okay? You need an anchor for your mind. What about your will? When you, to, to be frank, where you start to just live, screw this, you need an anchor for your will. You, you need something to stop you from destroying yourself. What about, what about your emotions? All over the place, right? You need an anchor for your emotions. So it's not just an anchor for your spirit, it's an anchor for your soul. It's so important. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, the author of this, Paul, actually talks just about the anchor for your soul or for your mind specifically. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 and verse 8. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that the day would overtake you like a thief. That, that, how relative is that when you're in a per- pandemic? Things are dark, things are grim. Things are things the, 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 the world around you can give you anxiety and fear and of, of what's going on. But you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night, nor of darkness, verse eight. But since we are of the day or the light, let's be sober, sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Helmets cover the brain, they cover the mind, put on the helmet of salvation. Paul uses this description, he calls it a hope. A hope helmet. See, that's totally different. Because when the sky is falling, you don't have to give in to that mentality. You can live in a perpetual state of hope. Number three, this anchor called hope will keep us stable in a storm. Stable in a storm. Do you know that boats don't stabilize themselves? That's the anchor's job. So your heart can deceive you that you as a boat have the strength to stabilize yourself. But an anchors, anchor's job is to stabilize the boat. That's not the boat's job. That's the anchor's job. Boats don't stabilize themselves, that's the anchor's job. It's one thing, listen, to anchor a boat just to prevent it from floating away, but when you're in the middle of a storm, an anchor takes on a bigger significance. In Acts 27, we see this. During Paul's trip to Rome, what do they do in the middle of their storm? One of their first knee-jerk reactions is, we gotta drop the anchors, because we need stability in the middle of this storm, I'll never forget an experience where an anchor increased in value in my mind. 2007, we were on our honeymoon. We went on a seven-day Southern Caribbean cruise. And so we went and saw a, a whole lot of cool places, Puerto Rico, St. Thomas, an island. There was islands that we visited. I was like, I don't even know that's in the Caribbean. I had one called Dominica, I think. Uh, St. Lucia, Barbados, Antigua. It was awesome. It was like an island a day. We're like island hopping. But I will never forget. I think we were in like St. Lucia or Antigua and we are not at the shore. We're out, but we're just kind of resting. And I'm on the, the, the deck of the ship. Now this is a big carnival cruise ship, massive ship. And you would think that with those ships, there's not a whole lot that can make those things move or jostle until you have an earthquake on an island that's closest to where you are. So I'm on the deck, and all of a sudden, this massive ship starts to, I don't know, they call it pitching or whatever, starts to go back and forth. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Well, obviously that earthquake that had hit that next closest island had sent, sent, you know, uh, after waves that started to, to smack this boat. Thank God for an anchor. Because without that anchor, the pitch or the roll would have been even more severe. Anchors bring stability. Your anchor called hope will give you or keep you stable in a storm. So often, let me just say this. So often, we want Jesus to deliver us from the storm when he wants to take us through the storm. But let me take it a step further. We see in scripture, not only does he wanna take you through the storm, but he actually wants to empower you to walk on the storm. He doesn't wanna just take you through. He wants to invite you out onto the storm That is rocking your boat. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Anchors bring stability. And this is such a beautiful picture of life. The disciples are out in a storm in a boat. And the interesting thing about this storm is that Jesus sent them out into it. Which makes you wonder about Jesus's goodness. Why would he send me out where there is trouble? Why would he send me out so that my boat would be rocked. Why? Jesus sends them out, and in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says this, immediately afterward, he, Jesus, compelled the disciples into the boat and to go ahead of, them to the other, uh, ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves. You ever been battered by life? And the wind was contrary. See, this reminds me of John 16, Remember in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Another phrase for take heart is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 4.2, my friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as as though something strange were happening to you. See, when your hope is in Jesus, God will call you out into the storm to overcome the odds and the adversities. Why? Listen to 1 Peter 3.15. This is so important because this is connected to people who don't have the hope that you have. 1 Peter 3, 15, so that you will always be what? Ready to give an answer to everyone who asks, or who asks you to give the reason for the living hope that you have in Christ Jesus. What if Jesus wants to bring you through a storm in your life so that you can come out on the other side of it and give people who are going through the same storm as you the answer for why your hope is still alive? If we have people around us that are looking to the world for a hope that has an expiration date, they're going to need your hope. And so they're going to need to know why you still have hope on the other side of disappointment. Because in this world, we will have disappointment. We will go through trials. We will go through struggles. How is it that you can still have hope in the midst of, it, of your adversity? They want to know the answer. See, you know what that, that answer for your hope is called, it's called a testimony. And people need your testimony. They need your story. If they are close to you and they know your adversities, they know your struggles, they know what you're going through, then they're going to need to know why you still have a living, energetic hope on the inside of you through it. So it goes on to say, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When did Jesus show up? he showed up in the middle of the storm to provide them with an alternative anchor. See, if they were in a boat, they probably had an anchor. But that anchor that that was provided for them was not going to work for the storm that they were going through. So Jesus shows up on the peak of the storm to provide them with another anchor of hope to bring stability to the ship. Jesus walks on the storm that is shaking you. He doesn't just walk on the water, he walks on the waves. I love that. It speaks of the fact that water, this water is not placid and calm. He's walking on the waves that are buffeting their boat. And it goes on to say, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage. In other words, have hope, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded, said to them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. Man, I love Peter. Peter's got FOMO. FOMO is fear of missing out. He saw, he saw Jesus walk in the water. He was like, I want to do what Jesus is doing. You don't hear that from any of the other disciples. So, he, so he's in the middle of the boat. And remember, it's not calm. See, this is, this is, I love this type of person. I'm not that person. I would have, I'm the person that's not mentioned in the story. I'm the person in the boat. Peter's like, hey, let me come out to you. And I'm in a boat talking to the other disciples like, Peter is dumb. Peter gonna die. Peter's gonna drown. But we got any Peters in the room? I envy you. I envy the fact that Peter's focus is not on the waves and the buffeting of the ship. Peter's focus is on where is Jesus in the middle of the storm because I want to be where he's he's at. And so Peter is right here and he says, and he asked asked Jesus, let me come out. And it goes on to say in verse 29, "He he said to Peter, come out here. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward jesus i'm telling you this is where the life of the believer is supposed to be the life of the believer is not in the boat i love the quote that says ships are safe on the shore but that's not what ships are made for i love that quote this is where the life of the believer is supposed to be not in the boat matter of fact in 2009 2007 betty gave me a prophetic word And I love this because she was being polite and and, and, you know not like, she was being tasteful with it. She said, it's time for you to get your feet and your backside out of the boat. She was like, you're not a Peter now, but you will be a Peter. And that has stuck with me every time I read this story. See, I love this, this, this story because it's actually a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. Look at Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Come on. Maybe Peter knew Isaiah 43 and he was like, my time, I'm going to test this word. Notice it says when, not if. When, not if. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. You, When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen to me. Forget what happened to Peter after this moment. I want you to, I want you to focus on the fact that for a moment, Peter was walking on what was rocking the disciples' boat. Forget that he Forget that he sunk. For a moment, he was walking on what was rocking the disciples' boat. That's where we're supposed to be. When we see other people's boats getting rocked, we're walking through the same thing that's rocking their boat, and they're like, how are you walking on this? How are you surviving? How are you still standing? How have you overcome this trial or this adversity? Or how are you not disappointed when you have every right to be disappointed? I got a hope that is an anchor for my soul. It is certain, it is secure, it is reliable, it's on the other side of death. So I'm good, it's not here, it's on the shore because my forerunner has gone before me to set it in a secure place. See, this is why our hope matters. You got the answer, his name is Jesus. Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. He's in you. See, when we have hope in Jesus, we can go through whatever storm of life and come out on the other side still standing, still strong, still secure, still confident like Paul, hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but not without hope, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And I'm telling you with this living hope, as our anchor, we are going to be able to go through storms and walk on storms, and there will be people around us that will want to know the answer for why we still have hope. Last one, this anchor, man, this last one is big. This anchor will keep you from drifting. It'll keep you from drifting. You ever drift? Yep. You ever drift, it'll keep you, your mind will drift before you start to drift. People will drift from church. All all of a sudden somewhere, they just disappeared. They drifted. And they, they didn't drift the moment they disappeared, they drifted in their seat. And it was a period of a couple of weeks where they started to drift. And they started to drift. Your mind will drift before you drift and they drifted, and then they just disappeared. An anchor will keep you from drifting. Drifting can happen in disappointment. Drifting can happen in offense. Drifting can happen in busyness. Drifting can happen in temptation. Drifting is dangerous. Matter of fact, the entire book of Hebrews was written to drifters. Do you know that? Hebrews chapter two, verse one, the second chapter of the entire book, listen to this. For this reason, we must pay close, much closer attention to what we have heard so that we, what? Do not drift away from it. See, you had all of these Jews that have, had given their life to Jesus and after Jesus dies, and he rises again, and he ascends to heaven, you've got this period of time called life where drifting can happen. And here are these, here are these, or these followers of Jesus. And if you go uh, systematically through the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is trying to convince these followers of Jesus that Jesus is better than all of the alternatives that they're drifting to. So he says Jesus is a better covenant. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is a better high, high priest. Jesus is, is better than Mount Sinai. Why? Because they were drifting back to their Judaism. They were experiencing persecution. They were experiencing all of these struggles. And so as a result, they started to drift. Drifting can be dangerous. The whole book of Hebrews is written to drifters. Listen to me, there is a tide that wants to take you. I believe it's one of the epistles that Paul wrote that said, you can be blown and tossed by every wind of doctrine. In the church and out of the church. There's a tide that wants to take you. Maybe you're in the room today and you're drifting already. Let me remind you you have an anchor. You have an anchor. You have an anchor for your soul. Now let me just let me say this when you have an anchor, whoo! You can only drift so far. Drifting is a reality. You will drift even when you got your anchor down. But there's only so far that you can drift when your anchor's down. <laughs> There's only so far. I know this reality because we have a dog and we have a stake that is anchored in the ground, and she can only run so far before boop the tug. The tug pulls her back. See, I want you to to not become desensitized to the tug of your anchor when you are drifting too far. Because I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit in you will tug on your heart when you're about to cross a threshold where you drift too far. See, we're going to drift. We will have that. We will drift because of busyness. We'll drift because of temptation. We'll drift because all of these things that come with being in life. But listen, keep your anchor down because the Holy Spirit in you, in you. First John says this, even when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And he will pull on you. He will pull on you. You're you're out too far. Come back. Because he's an anchor. And anchors will keep you from drifting into danger. So good. See, when you have an anchor, that anchor will keep you rooted so that you can only drift so far. We have this anchor for our soul. Have you been drifting? Have you drifted? See, here's the thing. When I ask that question, you know the answer. You don't have to search long if you've been drifting. Maybe you're watching and you've been drifting. (laughs) Maybe you're watching and you've been drifting, and that's why you're not in the room today. (laughs) Have you been drifting? have this anchor that will pull us back in i want to encourage you with john 15 and then we're going to close and i know it sounds like seems like it's gone fast but it's eleven 20 y'all john 15 maybe it didn't go fast for you it went fast for me you're like whoo thank god listen jesus says this to the disciples and he says this contextually because he knows he's going to die He knows that three days he's going to be in the grave, then he's going to be resurrected. He he knows those things, but they they don't know what the future is to hold. And I want you to, to read this passage of scripture with that in mind, John 15, four and five. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Listen, that word remain or abide, you know what that is? Anchor yourself. Anchor yourself to me. See, this is where things get get hard. If you don't use your anchor, You're going to wreck yourself. you got to use the anchor. And anchor is only as strong as what it's connected to, but it only fulfills its purpose if you use it. So you got to lean on your anchor when things are going wrong, when things are tough, when things are hard. And I want to encourage you. Uh, it's interesting because uh, Paul When he was on his ship in the middle of that storm, they dropped their anchors, but they also cut their anchors loose and they shipwrecked. Don't cut your anchor loose when you're going through something because it will only be a matter of time before you drift into danger. See, our hope is anchored in eternity. Our hope is an anchor for our mind our will and our emotions, our hope will keep us stable in the middle of a storm. We won't just be stable in the middle of the storm. We'll be stable on the storm. And our hope will keep us from drifting, drifting into danger, drifting too far. Drifting will happen, but is it is far less severe when your anchor's down. Will you stand with me? Hebrews chapter 6, as we close. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and reliable because it is one that has gone before us, which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That anchor is so good. See, the anchor that we call hope is this, that no matter What I am going through because I believe in God's goodness, I can still get through. That's why you can continue to go. God is still going to be good. This is not final for me. If I'm going through something difficult, this is not the end of the road. My best days are ahead of me. Even, even, If that means on the other side of the door, they are still ahead of you. You are going to get through, but don't cut your anchor loose. If you're in the room and you've been drifting, you know it. I want to encourage you as we pray this morning to bring that before the Lord in repentance God, I've been drifting. I haven't been holding on to hope. I I have casted off restraint because I haven't been anchored. And I've lost vision for my life. I've lost sight of the fact that you're good and that I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get to the other side of whatever I'm going through. So if you're in the room this morning and that's you, I just want you to join me as we pray. Father, I lift up to you every person in the room. God, I thank you for the anchor for our soul that is sure and reliable, that has gone before us. Jesus, those that have been drifting in the room and those that have been drifting that are watching this morning, God, I pray that they, by the Holy Spirit, would experience the tug pulling them back, pulling them back to be grounded, pulling them back to be rooted, pulling them back to be anchored, so that they don't drift into danger, God. Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of hope with an endless supply of hope that can be applied to whatever circumstance, trial, tribulation, issue, just whatever it may be, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have an endless supply of hope to release to us according to our situation. Father, you will supply us with what we need according to your riches and glory, God. So, Father, I pray that we would be an anchored church, that we would anchor ourselves in hope, lest we drift. In Jesus' name, amen. You want any prayer, if you're new, I want to invite you forward, and I would love to pray for you. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Make sure that you talk and spend some time with people. We love you, God bless you, we'll see you guys next week.